The reading of the word comes from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger or the wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the works of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. The grass withers and the flowers fade. So it was only now that I realized that I do not have the mic clip. So we're going to use this. And we're going to pray that everything goes smoothly. Do I need to move this thing? I'm kind of scared to. I'm not going to move it. It's going to stay here. (laughs) Well, again, let me extend uh, the welcome of Christ the King Church to you all. Uh, My name is Tyler, and I am the pastoral resident here uh, at this local congregation. I am not the pastor. That's the guy in the back over there. Uh, So if there's any issues, problems with me, with what I said... Uh, you can take it to him or any of the elders, and they will throw me out and excommunicate me, and it'll be great. Uh, please, if you have not already, turn to Psalm chapter 90. And bow your heads with me as we ask the Lord to lighten his word. Father, we pray, along with our older brother, St. Augustine, who said, Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power, your wisdom is infinite, and we praise you. We who are just a particle of your creation, we who carry our mortality with us, the witness of our sin and the witness that you resist the proud. And yet, we praise you. You awaken us to delight in your praise, for you made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Father, would you awaken us this morning uh, to to your word. Holy Spirit, show us Christ as we walk through uh, this passage. Uh, Lord, would you um, convict us? Would you edify us? Would you encourage us? Uh, Knowing that in all that we say and all that we do, if we walk before you in the face of our Lord, we will find rest, and we will find joy. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, as many of us have already uh, said, today is January the 1st, 2023. You probably know that, unless you went to bed at your normal time last night. Um, and with it, I am sure, uh, as again, many of, as some of us have already said, um, typically what comes around this time of year is the whole New Year's resolutions. Uh, this idea of let's set some goals, some new uh, disciplines uh, that we're going to do uh, to try to better our life, I guess. I don't really know the exact point of it, I'll be honest. Um, but I digress. Um, the typical sort of uh, Christian resolutions are things such as, you know, I'm going to read my Bible in a year this year. I'll try to get through Leviticus, and if I make it through, it'll be good. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's uh, possibly trying to take um, more time in prayer and in devotion to our Lord. Um, maybe it's something more practical, like a diet. Uh, I know I need one after this uh, Christmas break. Um, 
But regardless of if you do or do not uh, keep resolutions or make them, uh, I believe that all of us would agree uh, that this time of, of the year, this season that we find ourselves in, um, is one where we think of two things. One is the passing of last year, 2022, uh, with all of its trials, all of its failings, all of its accomplishments. Uh, and then also uh, the second thing is that we look towards this coming year, right? The, the, the things that we are hoping and desiring, we're resolving to try to do. Um, and it is in that nature of this sort of contemplation um, that we find this sort of period of time that we're in uh, that I want to sort of draw our eyes to uh, deeply and, and really consider uh, what this new year uh, means. Um, and so, uh, with that being said, taking a sip of my Earl Grey tea. Next week we'll mark uh, the third year in a row that we will be walking through the book of Genesis. Uh, but we cut it up into threes so that we can kind of walk through it um, at, at a semi-leisurely pace, not try to be too long, but you know, try to understand what the Lord is trying to say to us through the book of Genesis. Um, and Genesis is a part of the Torah, the, the first five books of uh, the Old Testament, but also we would say of the Bible. Right? Torah means of uh, the law. Um, and this Torah, you find, of course, Genesis. Uh, if you know the song, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, and so uh, these five books were all written um, by one man, uh, and that was Moses. Uh, and Moses was inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit. Right? This, these are divine uh, works. They're not just you know, the fan fiction you can find on store shelves at Barnes & Noble. Um, they, they are uh, divine. They are um, beneficial, every single drop of it, um, even the book of Numbers, uh, as I have struggled to find in my own life. Uh, but Moses was a, uh, some of you know this, so I'm not going to go spend too much long on this, but Moses was a Jewish leader. He led his people out of Egypt uh, towards the promised land. Right towards that land that flowed with milk and honey. Uh, it, uh, in that account that we find in the book of Exodus, uh, we see things such as uh, the plagues on Egypt, right? uh, the Passover. Uh, of course, probably the most well-known portion of that is the, is the crossing of the Red Sea, uh, where Moses, uh, by the power of God, divides uh, the sea into um, a dry land so that, that um, Israel and, uh, can walk through and uh, get away from uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And yet, for as, as, as large of a figure Moses is, right, as, as great as we think of him, not just in today's church, but also throughout history, um, for all of his obedience, all the trials he faced, all the, all the, the victories he, he uh, was able to um, taste of, um, he actually never got to the promised land. He never got there. Um, he could see it. It was within eyesight, but uh, he, he was forbidden by God to go there. Um, and we find that account of why, like why on earth would you make this man, you know, with his people spend 40 years in the wilderness, that's kind of petty, uh, to just kind of stop and not let him in. Uh, well, we, we know why, because in Numbers chapter 20, uh, we see Moses commit uh, two sins that seem not super they don't seem like, you know, they're not murder, and, and you know, we wouldn't say they seem to be that big. But they're very important to the heart of where Moses was at at that moment. Um, and what happens, I'll, I will be brief with it, uh, God tells Moses, because Israel is complaining, as they do, um, as we do, uh, that they wanted water. And so God tells Moses, hey, just tell this rock to give water, and it'll, it'll give you water, right? And Moses comes to the Israelites, and he's like, Hey guys, I can give you water. All right, I'm gonna just I'm I'm gonna give it to you. Right, no mention of God, no mention of anything else. I, in my power, am gonna give you water. And instead of telling it, he strikes it with a stick. Um, and although that doesn't seem like a big deal, uh, what Moses did at that moment was two things. One, in his pride, it was it was a sin of pride. 
leading to a, a sin of, of um, unbelief in God, right? Instead of simply telling the rock to give water, he struck it against the Lord's commands. And so because of that, because of that, that event, uh, the Lord uh, forbids Moses from entering the promised land. And that would be worse as it is. It'd be pretty bad if, if you know, you, you spent your entire life, uh, you know, praying and, and hoping and to see that day where you can, you know, have rest and have a home, a roof over your head. Uh, but if it wasn't bad enough, uh, two other things happened in chapter 20 of the book of Numbers. Uh, one, at the beginning of that chapter, uh, Moses' um, sister, Miriam, passes away. And by the end of that chapter, his brother Aaron passes away. And so within that single chapter, Moses has lost his two siblings. He has been forbidden from going to the promised land. And it is here uh, in this sort of period of, of perhaps somber reflection that we find Psalm 90 being written. Psalm 90 um, is the only place in the book of the Psalms, where Moses is credited as its author, okay, the only one we have. He's written other songs, and, and uh, I think they're in Genesis or Deuteronomy. I can't remember what I'm in. Um, but regardless, this is the only book of Psalm. This is the only Psalm in the book of Psalms written by Moses. Um, and scholars say it's within this sort of uh, period of time after he has been forbidden from entering the promised land and his, the death of his two siblings and soon to happen the death of, of him, his own. He will, he will die very shortly thereafter. And so the book of Psalms is to kind of quickly give us some understanding. Uh, Psalm 90 is the opening of book four in the book of Psalms. You know that. There's books upon books. It's bookception. Um, there's... Five books in the book of Psalms, and I'll just catch us up to speed. Book one is basically like a general introduction. It's got like everything in it. We got some songs of praise, songs of sadness, uh, you know, everything in between that. Um, you know, expressing confidence in God and distress over sin. Uh, basically, just the life of, of us. Uh, book two, though, begins to sort of turn uh, towards the, the, the distress side and the, and the lamenting side um, a little bit. Not too, not too deep, right? But just enough to kind of get you not really in a happy New Year mood, but more of in a oh, New Year move. Um, book three, because I want it to be a happy New Year, uh, is the culmination of those dark thoughts. Uh, it, it's containing the darkest of tones found in the Psalms wherein the confidence of God in, his, in, in God's faithful love uh, is, is, in a sense, um, doubted. And, and you see it throughout book three. Um, there's every now and then little beams of light here and there, but for the most part, there, there's a very somber, dark tone um, sort of covering book three. Uh, you know, some of the most famous um, psalms that someone may pray in a time of mourning is, is like Psalm 88, where there, it's just a lament about how, um, you know, where is the Lord in our suffering kind of thing. Um, and in Psalm 89, the last book of book three, uh, the psalm before Psalm 90, we're not even there yet, I'm sorry, um, we find this, uh, this prayer from the psalmist, a prayer that I feel summarizes both book three, but also the, the cry of us as, as a people uh, when we think about, uh, suffering and life and death and all those wonderfully uh, light things to talk and think about. It ends with this cry. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old? which by your faithfulness you swore to David. I don't have to spend much time to, to, I'm sure, to hear some of your own thoughts and prayers occasionally uh, when life does not go quite the way we want it to. Uh, but it is here in these moments of, of fear, uh, in the darkest of times for the psalmists, that God uh, begins his answer to our despair and to our anxieties through Moses in the darkest moments of his life, as he's looking on towards the promised land he will never be able to enter, 
as he mourns the death of his two siblings. One commentator states about book four of the Psalms that they are all about the security and assurance that comes to the people of God from knowing that the covenant God is the ultimate king whose sovereign faithfulness guarantees all the promises of the covenant. That's a lot, we'll get into that. But the, essentially it is the answer to the question, Lord, where is your steadfast love that you swore to our father, David? And so Moses uh, sort of contemplates this, um, this question, these thoughts that he's undoubtedly having um, by reflecting on three characteristics of God that we find in Psalm 90. The first is that God is our refuge, found in verses 1 through 6. The second is God is our judge, found in verses 7 through 11. And lastly, three, God is our salvation, verses 12 through 17. So let's dive in. Mile marker number one, God is our refuge. Verses 1 through 6, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and weathers. In this first section, uh, Moses is essentially honing in on the uh, characteristic of our God that he is our eternal dwelling place, our eternal, other, other translations would say refuge. Okay? It, is, it is a bomb. It is a, a, a very uh, cool glass of water on a hot summer day after coming through book three, I assure you, uh, if you ever, when you go through the book of Psalms and your readings, if you're doing it. Um, but... Long before David or Adam and Eve, uh, before um, you know, the plates of the earth shot into the sky, cutting the sky into as mountains, and before there was ever a universe to even think of, uh, essentially Moses is, is proclaiming, he's praising that God was from everlasting to everlasting. And not only that, but that he's been our refuge from everlasting to everlasting. He has always been our rest. He has always been uh, the place where we can, can dwell secure. And this is, again, a direct response to everything sort of uh, questioned in book three, right? Amid uh, the changes and chances of this fleeting world that we find ourselves often going through, uh, God is holding us in his sovereign hands before time even began. And we find that Moses is heightening this, right? We see this very obviously in verses uh, 1 and 2. But he also sort of heightens this by contrasting us. Because we really can't comprehend what eternity looks like, because none of us know what that is. If you do, please come tell me, uh, and I will rebuke you. Um, But we don't know what it is, right? So he has to show, uh, he, he has to talk about something that we do know, something that we are very familiar with. And we see this in verses three through six by him sort of contrasting God's ever, or ever unchangingness with our frail, weak, always changingness, if you will. Uh, he first hearkens back to the curse of Adam in Genesis 3.19, uh, wherein uh, it says that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. We see that in verse three. Uh, we are creatures, right? We're not um, sort of these Rambo macho men and women, right? We are, we are not as strong as we think you are. Uh, and I think dust is a very um, important word to use um, because if you think about dust on uh, your grandmother's um, you know, bookshelf or table, uh, the second she takes a rag or swiffer to that, it's gone. And it'll be gone until two days later when she decides to do it again. And so dust is this idea that we... It's, all you have to do is blow on it, and it's gone. That's what we are. Right? We're, we're made of that. We're, we're, we are um, not you know, oaks um, and planted it firmly in the ground. Uh, we are you know, sort of suspended, kind of going to and fro and bouncing all over the place and never really having a place to say, yep, my feet are firmly planted. And so 
Moses is, is encouraging us that, that God is not like that, right? Although we are, God's not, right? God is everlasting, right? Whereas we only last uh, until God tells us to return back to the dust we came from. Uh, and this is not all we see from God's enduring character. Again, these are verses uh, three through six. But he kind of responds with this idea that you return man to dust and say eternal children of man with for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. So we're seeing that Moses is, is very just illuminating to us that, that God is not like us in that regard. Right? Because this isn't empty poetry, something that was just empty words. No, these mean something. These are, these are meant to have meaning behind them. Uh, if you think for a moment, uh, as I often do, probably none of you do, but, you know, about history uh, in your spare time, um, and you think about how long a thousand years are, just for a moment, uh, I can point to you in history something like a small backwater town called Roma in Italy, uh, went from being Greek fanboys uh, to ruling the Greeks and almost the entire Mediterranean Sea as an empire, and then within that same 1,000 years, crashing and burning and fracturing uh, to the point where now its language is considered dead, and uh, all we have to remember it of is uh, little scraps of paper that some people wrote and maybe the buildings. Uh, Rome, in a thousand years, went from being the pinnacle of everything to absolutely nothing. Science rose so greatly from 1000 AD to 2000 AD uh, that we went from uh, prescribing lobotomies, right, cutting your head open for a cold, to landing a man on the moon. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, we went quite far uh, in that time. I'm very glad that we do not, uh, my mother never put a scalpel to me when I complained. Um, you know, we went from men fighting with uh, steel swords, you know, in a field, uh, to dropping uh, hunks of metal on whole cities and annihilating entire populations, right? A thousand years is a long time in our eyes. Uh, now I want you to change for a second and think about Friday, December 30th, 2022. You can do that, right? That's two days ago. Uh, you can probably tell me where you went to eat, who you met with that day maybe, what you did, if you thought about it for a moment, some of us maybe not, um, but by and large you can kind of remember, oh yeah, yeah, things, yeah, that was two days ago, I, I hopefully can remember what happened then. Um, it's not, you know, far back in the, you know, the flows of time or in some textbook sitting, sitting on my um, shelf, uh, it, it's, it's uh, present to us to some extent, and, and so God, Moses is saying that God views time like that, right? 2,000 years ago was Friday. It's present, ever-present. It's not some distant past where things are kind of just left to die, right? It's, he's, he's very aware of everything that he's promised, of everything that has been done on this earth. He's very aware of all of that. This is echoed in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, which we went through uh, uh, a few months ago. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so our Lord's eternalness, uh, his, his um, rule over time, the fact that he's not affected by it as much as we are, uh, is not meant to sort of open this chasm where we just forget about him and say, oh man, that's a lot. I'm not going to think about that. No, it, it's Moses is comforting us with this. He's saying, this is good. This is very good that this, that this is the case for you and for me and for him and for everyone. All right? Uh, he has not forgotten his promises. He's not forgotten us. Right? He's not slow to fulfill his promise, as Peter says. Right? Directly responding to all of the the. Uh, despair and, and doubt that was creeping in and becoming prevalent through book three of the Psalms. Moses remarks how we are so transient, right? So frail, so temporary that all it takes is a rush of water from a flood to wipe us off the face of the earth. No more, right? Your house, gone. All of your possessions, gone. 
your favorite books gone. Sorry. Uh, that's just what it is, what it is. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce remarks that we are like the grass in the arid desert, which springs up in the morning before being scorched in the blazing daytime sun to where there is no evidence of its own existence by the nightfall. In a single day, we're here and we're gone. Time is not on our side, Moses is trying to relate to us, but it is on God's side. So it's a good thing. He's over it. He's commanding it, right? He's, over, he's controlling that. Um, but it, it, in, in that saying that, don't, don't um, misunderstand. Uh, although it's not, it's not long to God, it does seem very long to us, this life. Uh, we can't really get past that, right? Um, another commentator says that time is the medium of our mortality, and so it is the favorite focus of our folly. The young think they are immortal, the old to despair because their time is over. Right? Our life views uh, time as, as um, sometimes antagonistically. Right? It's kind of like the bad guy. It's stealing away um, my you know, uh, kneecaps from me and from all my things. Um, only leading us towards death. Right? There's, that's what all time is leading towards. Um, or maybe not that, but um, you, maybe you're just apathetic towards it. You don't think about it. That's what we typically do. Just don't think about it. Drink a Coca-Cola. Have a good day. Don't think about it. Um, you know, young folk clog their ears uh, to pretend that we are immortal, uh, that our strength will never fail, that we will always be young. Uh, the mid-aged peep uh, begin to feel that their bodies perhaps are not quite as enduring as they thought as their hair falls away and their backs begin to creak. And the old folk despair that their life is nearing its quick end and that their life flew by way too quickly, right? 2022 went from being the present, exciting, current year to last year. 2023 will do the same thing, 2024 and so on and so forth until someday, inevitably, whatever day that is, we return to the dust. Um, the sermon title comes from a quote from Tim, Tim Chalice, a Christian blogger, where he's quoting an older poem uh, where he says, we learn to our surprise, just how short a dash separates the day of the birth from the day of death. Right, our, that, that dash being our life. Right, it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Right? Um, and Moses is not just saying this so we can be angsty and, and you know, bring our hair down to our face and say, you know, oh man, woe is me. Life is terrible. The point of this is that he's trying to, to relate to us that although we are like that, God is always constantly for us. Okay? But he's not done uh, picking, poking, and prodding us yet um, because it, it's not enough to say that we're just here today and gone tomorrow. Right? Death is not um, some natural thing. Um, you might notice already, but, but this is Psalm, so he's praying to the Lord. This is directed towards the Lord. And so he's attributing our supposed premature deaths, not to some, you know, nature, right? Some, some cosmic force that's just, you know, time that's just going. But rather, he's directly contributing and, and saying that it is God who brings about that day of death. Right? That it is, a, it is uh, God who is laying upon the judgment. Right? That the wages of sin is death. And God is not passive in bringing about our return to dust. Right? This isn't something that he's just kind of like letting go by and then one day he's like, oh yeah, he's been here for 90 years. Let me get him out of here. Right? No, it's, it's, he, he's, it's very, um, again, present for him. Which brings us to our second point, our second mile marker. God is our judge. Moses considers this starting in verse 7. For we are brought to an end by your, your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our, own, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. If their span is but toil and trouble, they are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you, right? Uh, today's world death is um, 
kind of in an interesting place. I kind of alluded to it before, but um, typically people are just trying to remind or pretend like it's not coming, right? By just not thinking about it, right? Don't get down in the dumps. Don't think about it, right? That's going to make you sad. Don't do that. Well, it's a good. It's a very good thing to think about death. Um, he kind of commands us to do that. But anyway. Um, I thought of this recently when, um, because over this past year alone, uh, my fiance Caitlin and I have been to um, three funerals of close loved ones with four others very closely almost funerals um, to the point where uh, Caitlin remarked to me something that said, that was kind of sad, but um, she said, you know, our, your father and your mother only seem to see my father and my mother at funerals because there's been so many this past year. And so death has been something very um, overshadowing a lot of my thoughts the past, um, not just the past year, but just in general, right? That's something that's always sort of lurking. Um, Not like some bitter, like, oh, the ghost of death is going to kill me. Uh, But it's a sense of just reckoning with it and thinking about it. Um, You know, it... It's not meant, Moses is not trying to lead us to defeatism, right? Or to nihilism, where we just say, hey, nothing matters. You do whatever you want. You know, who cares, right? No one can tell you what to do. You're your own guy, right? Go drink, go party, a little debauchery. Why not? Um, no, that's not his point. He's, he's not uh, falling into bitterness or apathy, uh, but he's trying to, again, sort of, comfort us in the fact that we are very quickly gone and God is not, right? Where we are, we, you know, may tell someone we're going to do something one day and then the next day be like, actually, I don't really feel like doing it, so I'm just not going to do it. Uh, that's not how God is, All right? And this anger and wrath that is being expressed here is not some, um, you know, God is always angry with you and I'm going to bang my hand on this thing and just yell at you all day. That's not the anger and wrath that's being expressed here. The anger, the wrath, is the judgment of Adam that because of sin, the wages is death. Right, that's, the, that's this anger, that's the wrath, right? That's what he's saying here when he says, um, flip the page, right, that for all our days pass away under your wrath. Right, they're going to go away when God says it's time. You know, in our sins, the, the, these iniquities that are being expressed here um, are not hidden right before the face of God. He's not taking surprised by them. Um, we are, as it were, uh, like ants in an ant farm. That's what our hearts and minds are to him, right? He can look in them and see everything we're doing, everything, right? Oh, you know, the ants are up top getting little food stuffs. Where are they taking it? Oh, down into the little storage room thing they built, whatever they call it. I don't know what it's called. I don't have an ant farm ever. Uh, but the point is, right, our hearts and our uh, minds are laid bare before God in the light of his presence, right? And so we cannot sort of skate away or pretend like death isn't coming, or pretend like, you know, life is just some party all the time. Um, again, Moses is writing this in the middle of, a, of, of lamenting the fact that he is not entering the promised land, the thing that he desires the most. He wants to be there, as the Lord promised that, you know, his, the offspring would, would dwell in. And so this dismay that we're feeling, um, that's expressed here when it says that we are dismayed, we are, we are put dismay, um, is not some just constant loathing or, or um, constant sort of woes me, life is horrible, everything's going bad, I got cut off in traffic the other day, it was so annoying. Um, no, the point of this is that expressing that God is very active in our judgment, so we should be very active, as he's, as he's going to get to in a minute, uh, with our response to that, right? We should not be apathetic about death, okay? Uh, he gets this, um, he, a lot of these verses here through verses in this section are sort of um, echoes of Genesis chapter three where Adam is cursed, right? I'm gonna read this for you. Uh, because you, meaning Adam, have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. That's the sin. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will, shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Right? Um, Adam was active in his rebellion, and so, uh, so God, therefore, must be active in the judgment of that. Right? He, he, he is holy. He cannot permit uh, evil to just exist. I hope you guys are enjoying this uplifting message, by the way. Um, <laughs> and we see this echo in Psalm 90, right? Um, not only is, is death, right, the fact that we're going to die, something that is just going to happen, but not only that, from birth till death, our life is one of toil and trouble. And then we get to die, right? The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away, right? 70 years old right now to this 22-year-old sounds like a long time away. It's not. 80 years are going to come and go like that. If my Nana was here, um, she's in her mid-80s, and you asked her, uh, sort of her thoughts about, you know, if you asked her the question of like, hey, how, how's life right now? How's, how's that? How's that feel? Does it feel like you're living your best life now and healthy and wealthy and all that good stuff? Uh, she'd probably say a few things. She'd probably lament about the fact that uh, she's outlived one of her sons. Uh, she'd probably discuss how her, there's constant back and hip pain, um, and, which makes sleeping horizontally impossible. Um, and above else, right, they're, they're, she's simply, as it says, ending her life in a sigh, right? It's not some grand, you know, war and glory, you know, I'm dying with a sword in my hand and, you know, a cigar in this hand or whatever, you know. It's nothing like that. It's, 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 it's just fading away. And yet, even that being said, I trust that she said that just as much evil has been done, there's also much good that has been done. But life is not some, uh, you know, peachy cream, you know, life where everything just goes well and there's no problems, there's no struggles, there's no trials or anything like that. Um, and so we find the, the sort of culmination of this, path, this portion uh, in the question found in verse 11, where, he, where Moses ties up his thoughts on this despairing judgment, right, this wrath of, of this, this, this wage that we have earned actively. Uh, by asking us to, to sort of contend with, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? And Christian, I must, I, I must let the text do what it's asking. You need to contend with this. You need to wrestle with this, right? Have you considered the power of God's anger, right? That, that, that end that we're going to find. Not to leave you in despair, right? But have you looked to that horizon, have you looked past the present sort of moments and things that you're dealing with right now? How are you going to get food on the table? How are you going to get clothes on the back? Right, Those things. Have you considered that? And of course, Moses, again, as I keep trying to drill into our heads, this is not meant to lead us into despair. This isn't book three. This is book four. And so he's trying to show us something very uh, encouraging, very comforting, very uplifting to our souls in those moments, right? If this was book three, he would stop there and we would go home and cry in our beds and, and you know, hope it rains tomorrow so we can have weather that makes us feel the way we did. Um, but he, he's directionally asking that question so that he can find this answer. And he answers that question, right? In verse 12, Right, which this is leading us into uh, mile marker three, the last point. You're welcome. God is our salvation. Uh, where he's going to say, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, but before we get there, there is a popular poem uh, written by an old Anglican missionary named C.T. Studd. Uh, I have a short, short little selection from this poem. Uh, there is a student here who probably will know this because their teacher loves this. Uh, here, here's the quote. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. 
bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And it just goes on and on and on with, the, with that refrain. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And this is seeming to be a, a, a theme that is here in this last section of Psalm 90, uh, where Moses is turning from this sort of deep dive into our frailty to again remind us of, of our dwelling place, of our eternal refuge, of our salvation. I'll read this next this portion fully. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the works of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. And so his, Moses' response to uh, God's judgment upon us right, for our sins, for the iniquities, for the, the passing away that we have in this life, is that God himself, he's, he's asking that God himself would teach us, teach him, teach us communally to number our days, right? Not to keep a tally and be like, okay, day 3,723 down, you know, maybe tomorrow. Um, no, he's saying essentially to, to be aware of your life, of your temporary life, right? To consider their length. You know, our hope, our salvation uh, to the suffering that we're going to face this coming year uh, is not going to be uh, done away with by pithy, trite little, uh, you know, statements, right? Like, uh, do God is sovereign, bro. Do God is good, man. All things, all things are good for those who believe in God, right? Like, those things may be said in the Scripture, but when you are mourning the death of a loved one, you're doing nothing more than what Job's friends did, trying to uh, distance themselves from him in his suffering. So we do not pill this away. We do not simply wipe away and say, you know, suffering stinks, but let's just not, let's just not, let's not deal with it. And to achieve that ask, that question, right? The, the, um, who considers the power of your anger? In your wrath according to three of you, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a far wisdom. The way he sort of begins this last section is actually here in verse uh, 13, okay? Where he says, return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants, okay? This is the first time in this entire psalm that Lord, right, may be capitalized in your Bibles. That's the covenant name of God, right, Yahweh, some would say? Right, not some random Buddha or angel or something. No, no, no. He's, he's calling upon specifically the covenant God of Israel and by extension today, the covenant God that we serve. Right, that, that he would not forget the steadfast love that he swore to David. Right, that he would return. That he would be in a way that that, that, that is how we're going to be able to dwell in him is that he would be essentially this, this promise that we can hold fast to in times of, of darkness and in times of, of suffering. He's, he's, he's our God, right? And so, the response to Psalm 89, uh, to the entire, entire collection of Book 3, uh, to the constant, um, maybe not constant, let me not overreach here, uh, to the often feelings of despair that we have. The response is not to wink at them and pretend like they don't exist. It's not to lie to our brothers and sisters that everything's fine and all right. We're just, we're just chilling, right? We're doing good. Um, nor is it to blame God for all of this as if we didn't, you know, somehow in some way bring this upon ourselves, at least in terms of death. Right? No, no, his response is, is by praying to God and to trust and rest in him. Right? That's why Augustine was quoted earlier. Not because his name's cool, but because he's praying the prayer that we are to have, right? That we will not find rest, 
right? You will always be running until you find rest in God. And is that not what we're looking for? Are you not tired of the constant running and, and going? I, honestly, I, I doesn't, it, it, it blows my mind that Christmas and New Year's is already gone. Blows my mind. Right? I, I find myself often f- desiring and praying that the Lord would f- give me a place of, of, of rest, of peace. And he doesn't always give that in the way that I want it. But we, we need to acknowledge that this is sort of what Moses is telling us to do with these issues, right? With these things. They're not just, again, they're not um, deep thoughts with Moses' time, right? Where he just thinks about, oh, life is kind of here and there, and then we're good. No, our lives are short. And we need to ask that the Lord would do something with it. And we can't ask that the Lord would do something with it until he is our covenant God. And he cannot be our covenant God until we submit to his son. That we receive who he said he was. Right? The salvation, uh, all these prayers that we find, right? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days you afflicted us and for as many years you've seen of evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to those children. Those prayers are not able to be prayed. You cannot have them. They are not yours unless you are in Christ. If you cannot say, return, O covenant, loving father of, 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 of Israel, right? of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, And so in closing, to end the torture, the answer to this, this dash that we seem to be thinking about today and probably for the next few days, right, as the new year comes and goes um, between our birth and our death, is not to fall into sort of hopelessness or, or apathy um, or simply just kind of closing your eyes and throwing your fingers in your ears and la 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 all the way to, you know, destruction. Uh, the cry of us is, is to, to rest in verse 13. Return, O Lord. Have pity on your service. Have mercy on us, right? Eternal dwelling place from everlasting to everlasting who's, who's hold us in your hands, return for us. Deliver us. Do not leave us uh, in this darkness, but, but give us your salvation. And salvation is not to get to go to heaven, right? It's not you get to fly around with little chubby little babies with wings, uh, salvation is found, is, is, is truly in the promised one that we're going to be looking at again next week and through Genesis and throughout the whole Bible, right? The snake crusher, the offspring of Abraham, right? The prince of peace, the mighty God, all the things we sing about this morning, right? It's in Christ alone. That is salvation, Right? Jesus himself tells us that uh, eternal life is to know him, meaning God, and to know him who he sent, meaning that is Jesus. Right? That's eternal life. That's being able to, to rest securely in an eternal hope. And it's only there that we can find the words of Christ. And back in Matthew 6, I was read earlier, that if we are in him, if we are trusting in him, praying to him, if we're numbering our days and considering the lot of our life and the end of it, then Christ promises us, and his promises are true, that your heavenly Father knows all that you need. Right? All the promises that we read earlier, right, can be summarized this, that our only um, call, the only thing we're to do is to trust in Christ, to trust in this covenant God, and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the promise is this, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious 
about tomorrow or next year or the year after that or five years away, right? For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for this year, for, for this morning here at Christ the King is that we consider what it is our life has unfolded, right? What has unfolded and what will unfold. So lastly, think about last year. Uh, think about this year. That, that this is an exhortation, if you will. Um, I'm asking nicely. Uh, to consider, if you have children, how quickly they've grown. If you have a significant other, how much they have changed, or maybe not changed. Uh, if you have lost loved ones, in the past year, mourn their passing, right? Consider where you might be this time next year uh, with all the joys, all the, all the trials and, and things that we were to face. And only after that have you have you've thought about that. I want you to never forget this, although you probably will because uh, you probably have already started forgetting. Uh, because everything else I've said at this point is already, whew, I don't even remember what I said, right? So I guarantee that there's probably a lot of you who have forgotten that as well. But if there's nothing else that must be remembered, I beseech you to think about Christ, right? Because 2,000 years ago, right, two days ago in God's eyes, there was a, in a manger a little baby who was God, he lived a dreadfully short dash of a life, right? 33 years, right? That's coming up quickly for some of us. It's already gone for others. Uh, and then he died. Right? 33 years, here and gone. That's a, you know, today people would say is, is a, um, a very short life. Uh, but the entire reason why we're sitting here in this dingy uh, cafeteria, right? Which we are grateful for. Thank you, Lord. Um, and... The only reason why we're not in our beds sleeping off last night's late hours is because something miraculous happened after that death. Because after that death, right, you have birth, the other dash, and then you have the death, another dash began. That's the only reason we're here, right? Paul tells us that if Christ did not rise from the dead, we're the most to be pitied. We're the biggest fools, the biggest jokers on this side of eternity. Right, so think on Christ. Think about your life. Don't get depressed about it, please. Um, but consider who God is, who we are, and who Jesus is. Okay. All right. My torture is over. Yeah, bow your heads.